When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis, Editor-in-Chief of the E2C Network, and it is time to discuss some Auburn men's basketball. And this time, to round out the season, we're discussing a win over the Tennessee Volunteers. You heard me right. The Tigers go into Auburn Arena and pull off the upset over the number 5 Tennessee Volunteers, making it two years in a row of victories over Tennessee. That pushes their record to 22-9 and on the year and 11-7 and in conference play. We're going to talk about everything in this game, all the fun stats, all the fun memories. We're going to talk seniors. We're going to talk just storylines from the game, and we've even got to somehow squeeze in an SC tournament. To do all that, I brought in my friend, co-host, owner, and operator of the Auburn Uniform Database, Mr. Clint Richardson. How about that season, Clint? <laughs> Rocky top flopped, and that was so much fun. <laughs> So I wouldn't call it a flop per se, because let, let me just say this right here. Uh, let, me, let me have that one. Uh, okay, I'll let you have it in your mind. That was <laughs> one of the best basketball games I have ever seen, but also one of the best basketball games that I've ever attended in my life. If you, I'm sorry, if you were not watching this game today, anyone out there in the college sports realm, you missed out on one of the most epic games ever this season i know that's a little bit of hyperbole but it's not far from the truth no this was top to bottom one of the best games and i always say it about the the kit six you know that wasn't the best football game ever because of the final moment that was a fantastic game top to bottom and this auburn tennessee game kind of had the same feeling you know without the miraculous championship winning play at the end but just the intensity the talent the gameplay it was such a good game inside and out. And, you know, I I had to run to Walmart earlier this afternoon, long after the game was over, and this guy approached me and said, that was a heck of a game this afternoon. It's like, yes, yes, it was. So here's the reality of the situation too, Clint, is remember way back in the summer when you and I were doing the preseason shows, talking about the schedule when they were getting released, and we marked this game on the calendar and again, we've already said it before on previous episodes. It was marked for a different reason, thinking it was going to be for the SC title. But the game still lived up to all of our expectations. Two titans in the SEC going to war. And boy, did it just have one instant of Tennessee just being in control. Then Auburn in control. And then back and forth and back and forth. And just you saw the chess match that was going on between the Tennessee coaching staff and the Auburn coaching staff. And lo and behold, Auburn comes out victorious. And 
let's just I think this is jumping ahead in some of the things we want to talk about, but we just need to go ahead and give a round of applause to everyone that was there at the game today. I'm talking fans. I'm talking students. Boy, did the students forget about spring break for at least a couple of hours and show up. I was so proud of our fan base. I was super happy when I saw pre-game and pre-doors opening that there was such a long line to get in the game. Auburn had really fought to keep the students in town for just a couple more hours. It wasn't a night game. This was 11 a.m. local. You had to be out of your dorms if you lived on campus by 9. You had you didn't have to kill all day just to stay around for a basketball game. And, you know, they were there. They were loud. That was one of the best atmospheres on TV. And, man, I wish that was a game that I was able to be at. I know I hated so much that you weren't there. I was I was trying to convince Autumn too to, to to like get you down here to convince you to come and find a ticket just so you could experience it. And I'm so disappointed that you get didn't get to do that. But those tickets were getting expensive, and I've already spent way too much money the last week. That's true, and I understand that that point of view there. But I, I am so glad that I was in the stands for this. It will be one that I will remember forever. And speaking of remember it, if you ever wonder, does your presence at the game make a difference to these players. All you need to do is look at the end of the game interviews and Bryce Brown is fighting back tears, trying to express what it meant to him to look into those stands on the eve of spring break, 11 o'clock game in the morning, and his students, his peers are packed in there. His fans are packed in there. That's what it means to these players, folks, and that's why this is the Auburn family. I'm going to get off my soapbox because we got to talk <laughs> about the game. And we don't, we've even got to cover this before we actually talk about the inside and out of what happened in this game. Let's talk some history and some stats. And I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Scott Scroggins on Twitter, he's good at all kinds of facts. He uh, pointed out that this is the third time, only the third time, in program history that Auburn has had 11 SEC wins in two straight seasons. The last time, 1975. That's incredible, Clint. Yeah, and I think the first time was in the mid-50s, and Auburn did it three three seasons in a row. And, you know, it's important to note that the basketball seasons were much shorter back then. And, of course, there were only 11, 10 teams in the SEC at that time. So, to be able to go out and win even a larger percentage of your season is just such an accomplishment back then and shows you just how tough this league has been since then. Another stat for you guys, the first win over specifically a number five since 1995. Now, it doesn't mean we've never beaten a top ten or top five team, excuse me. We've taken down number ones, twos, threes, and fours, all that kind of stuff. But specifically at number five, the first time since 1995. We continue to talk about it, Clint. Bruce Pearl just finds a way to continue to knock down records and streaks, good and bad. Uh, I think that was actually the first, the last time that Auburn has beaten a top five ranked team, not just specifically a number five team. I had had it wrong, so it's even better. Yeah, like, I mean, again, tells you just how good these teams are that are at that level and how lackluster Auburn has been many of the previous seasons. And yeah, you've got the 99, 2000 and 2003 teams, but you know, according to that number, Auburn kind of missed a couple of really big bullets. 
Yes, they did. And it's a little bit more history, which is probably – it's not as significant in the grand scheme of things that we've talking about, but this is two straight years now that uh, Bruce Pearl has been able to beat his former team. And, you know, I think he does a good job of not letting that come out so much, but you can tell in the way this mean, how much this means to him, especially the way he talks after the game, yeah. that this is this is always a big one for him. And it will always be one that means the most to beat his former team. Yeah, and, and Bruce is never going to shy away from saying that Auburn is his home now. But Tennessee was his home for many years. And the way that he talks about Auburn, you can just imagine how he talks about Knottsville. And to to move homes is a really big deal. And for him to have done it under those circumstances, of course he's emotional. He was in tears after the first game that Auburn went up to Knoxville and unfortunately lost and, and how bad the team wanted to get him that W. But he's, I, I just love Bruce. I love his emotion. You know, he wears it on his sleeves and, and he's just never afraid to show it. Now, and that's one of the good things about that. Sometimes you'd wish that that emotion keep in check so that he'd stay inside the box and not have the refs <laughs> coming after him. But hey, I will take a guy who you know exactly what he thinks and feels about his program. We we complain so much about coach speak. You don't get coach speak with Bruce. He'll tell you exactly no. how it is, good or bad, mostly bad sometimes. But uh, regardless, I, I'm very happy to see uh, the way he expresses himself on and off the court here. Let's get into the game a little bit as we like to do let's talk about the opposing team and the storyline in this is how much bigger how much more physical how much more on paper talented Tennessee was than Auburn and you have to look no further than two players and there's a they have great players across the roster the two that everyone know Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield now let's just be honest here Admiral Schofield is probably the most awesome name ever I mean who names their kid Admiral I mean, I'm going to just use that now. I don't, not that you know Jessica would be happy about that or anything, but it's just an awesome name. Now, I said, Clint, going into this game, that the key for Auburn to win was to eliminate one of them to some degree for a large portion of the game. And boy, did they. They got Admiral Schofield in some trouble early with foul trouble and kept him there. And Grant got into a little bit at the end there, and I think personally that is why Auburn was able to steal this one away from Tennessee. I think I think you're right, and Auburn did a really good job of drawing those fouls. And, you know, not too many fouls were called in this game, 18 on Tennessee, 16 on Auburn. Um, both teams got called for 12 in the second half, so I think it was really fair by the numbers. Of course, there were a couple of calls that, could have gone either way, but uh, I don't think we need to get into that tonight. <laughs> we could spend hours uh, ranting about refs. We've gotten better over the five years that we've been doing this podcast of our ref rants. I mean, there were, of course, you know, we didn't have a lot of good things to talk about in the first couple of years of Bruce Pearl's sure. era, so we had to find something to be angry at besides our team. Um, but you look at the point spread for the, those two players, and I'll throw another one in there. Um, who the guy I went to the game with, he couldn't stop talking about uh, number number double zero bone. Uh, he got seventeen points. Grant Williams got twenty five. It's kind of what you expected. Schofield, he kind of got up to that thirteen points elusively at the end of the game, but because of his foul trouble, was kept in check and and he did foul out of the game, which I, I as I've already said, I felt like was a key to that. But credit where credit is due. This is a 
very talented team. You can see why they were ranked number one for a large portion of the season. And I also have to give credit to Grant Williams. That man's a very smart basketball player. And my hat's off to him because he is going to make one heck of a town at the next level. Absolutely. And you can see this is Tennessee has what we've talked about the last couple of years of, you know, multiple guys who can step up when one or two aren't having their best game. Of course, we circled Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and they still combined for 38 points. But then you've got Bone with 17 and Bowden off the bench with 16 points. And that, those are what those are the kind of performances that help this type of team get to that number one ranking and and fight for a chance to win the conference title. Yeah, so that's the disappointing thing is all this talent for them on this team, and they still were unable to get the conference title outright for the regular season this year. Neither Auburn nor Tennessee. Again, we circled this game anticipating it was going to be for the regular season championship between the two of them, and neither one of them ended up winning it, but the game still lives up to the billing overall. We talked about circling players on the roster for Tennessee to watch out for. Boy, did if I would hope that Tennessee circled Chumo Kiki, but it did not matter. How about our man Chuma just going off in this game? 22 points, five rebounds. He's only did one free throw, but he made it and played 36 minutes. One of the better games that we've seen Chumo Kiki have in this season, but also his Auburn career. Yeah, and this is, again, one of those games that the stats aren't going to show just how good Chuma was. Chuma was cutting in passing lanes and deflecting balls and getting steals and getting blots and just making life tough for the Tennessee Volunteer players. And I mean, this at this point, this is Chuma's team. I know that everybody likes to mention Jared Harper and Bryce Brown first and foremost, and and deservedly so, but this right now is Chuma Okiki's team. And I, I still think he has a little bit of ways to go in terms of getting out of his shell and actually dominating a game, but you can just see the steps he's taken. The last month, maybe two months, have been the best basketball we've seen out of number five in his career. And how interesting it is that we saw the best player in the SEC, Grant Williams, oftentimes matching up with our, in some areas, best player and hopefully future best player, Chumo Kiki. It was an interesting dynamic that uh, it's almost like a passing of the baton that uh, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves and make predictions that aren't going to come true. But, you know, if Chuma continues to progress the way he has this back half of the season and, and carries it over to next year, you're looking at a guy that not only could be fighting for player of the year in the SEC, you're looking at a guy that could be player of the year candidate nationally. You're looking at a guy that probably won't be at Auburn past next season, and that's a sad reality to face. It's a good one, though. Oh, yeah. Ch Chuma is definitely fighting for first-round NBA lottery selection and possibly even a top-five pick at this point. Yeah, and I'd, I would hope that he gets there part of me, but the other part of me is like, you know, it'd be nice to have you throughout the entirety of your career, but we can't be that selfish because if he's doing well, it tends to mean that Auburn is doing uh, well uh, too. In this game, our, our guards did pretty good. 16 points for both Harper and Brown. Javon McCormick also elusively got seven points. Now, I've got to take my hat off to Javon McCormick because there was a moment where 
Um, I was starting to have a little bit of worry. You saw Jared Harper get a couple of fouls, a couple of them questionable. It got up to three, and they had to take him out of the game for a little bit. And that's normally where you see the the scoring at least drop off to some degree, but the play as well. Javon McCormick comes in and creates a different element than Jared Harper does and it's such a good change of pace at the point guard position because you've got Jared Harper who you know just to be honest can get pushed around a little bit because of his size but it plays he he knows how to work that to his advantage you've got Javon McCormick who has no fear and just drives into the lane and faces guys head up trying to make a layup draw a foul I was so impressed with Javon in this game and Bruce Pearl echoed those same thoughts after the game I think that McCormick has just grown so much this season and that he could play a huge role in this team next year and again he did only he did all of that in just 15 minutes of gameplay and you know I think that Javon's kind of gone back and forth in a couple of games this year of not playing to his fullest potential and just playing lights out and I think tonight was one of the latter um, performances and you know Auburn didn't have too many great plus minuses performances tonight uh, chumo kiki had a plus 12 uh samir dowdy who i still question at certain points of the game had a plus five um javon mccormick had a plus two and i think that has a lot of reason why auburn was able to win this game you know like you said when when jared harper exits the game scoring goes down talent goes down a little bit and defense goes down but Javon was able to keep that level. And the gap between your first and second guys, especially a point guard, is probably one of the most important uh, position rotations on the court. And for Javon to be able to shore that up and play to the level that he did today went a really long way in this game. I would argue that today there wasn't really a gap. Yes, there is a, a difference in the way they play, but because it was such a dynamic difference it it affected Tennessee on certain levels I don't think that they were ready for they're used to the guy flopping everywhere and knocking down threes from you know the next door the next arena over and then Javon comes in and just and just runs it right at him so my hat's off to him and the way he showed up tonight to get the seniors to win when we talk about the reasons why Auburn won the game we look at the stats a lot 48 percent or excuse me 46 percent from the field for Auburn 38% from beyond the three-point line, 79. They just keep teasing me with the free throw percentage. They know I want 80, and every night they seem to give me like a 78 or a 79. So I, I'm sure wagging, if you could see me right now, I'm wagging my finger at Auburn. <laughs> However, the stat that I look at right here is right below all that. That's so impressive and a big reason why Auburn wins the game. Defensively, 13 turnovers for Tennessee only. Only five for Auburn throughout the entirety of the game. If you take care of the basketball, I don't care what sport it is. If you take care of the ball, you will win many, many games. And you're missing probably the bigger stat. Of Auburn's five turnovers, Tennessee only scored five points. They had one point for every turnover. Tennessee had 13 turnovers, and Auburn turned that into 19 points. That's a pretty good ratio. I'll take that any day and twice on Sunday. 
So that's the stats right now. When you look at that, it's pretty even. Auburn gets the favorable uh, nod that way. But then you look at some of these other ones, and you kind of wonder why Tennessee wasn't able to run away with this thing. Total rebounds, 39 for Tennessee, only 27 for Auburn. It's pretty even defensively, but offensive rebounds, Tennessee showed why they're one of the best teams in the nation with a lot of second-chance points over there, getting 16 second-chance points overalls. But again, we go back to stats-wise why Auburn won the game. You look at those turnover margins, the points off of turnovers, but even look at this, 11 steals for Auburn in this game, only three for Tennessee, three blocks apiece from everybody. And speaking of blocks, Horace Spencer, son, have a game. <laughs> yeah, Horace had, what, two blocks on... Uh, Grant Williams, I believe, in the same possession. And gosh, I love that Horace got the start on senior day. And I was kind of surprised that Cole Blattstop didn't either. But, you know, it's it's a big game, number five team in the country. I get why he didn't. But, um, I mean, Horace, we say it every single game. He's not going to light up the stat sheet. He's not going to put up fantastic numbers, but he's going to make it impact on this game and you're going to know that zero is on the court and he did just that today i thought he played fantastically and honestly i'm surprised he only had 19 minutes i felt like he was out there a lot more than that because he just made such an impact he did and i you know i love my agent zero and uh, to see him get the start to see him make such a huge impact is just the stuff that makes it so awesome to watch a basketball game with him but also to be there where he's performing well at a game, and let's kind of use that to segue into uh, less about the game and talk about the game, the stuff around the games. This is the last regular season game and the last home game, so that means always senior day for Auburn. And we've got four seniors that are going to be leaving, and you know we've had some pretty special senior classes that have left us over the years. We're only a year removed from Patrick Kime, and yes, he was a walk-on turned scholarship player, but we've talked about the impact he had building this program up. I'm finding it hard right now to wrap my head around that we're about to lose four guys that I have become, for me at least, synonymous with the Bruce Pearl era. And the fact that they're not going to be there anymore, I'm struggling with it, I'll be honest with you. And let's just take a minute here and give some thoughts about each one of them. We'll stop with, with the one who doesn't get a lot of recognition other than the fact that he gets to come into a game and have his main mentioned every once in a while uh, when the the game's pretty much in hand or out of hand. Cole Blackstock, uh, he comes on as a walk-on. He wins a scholarship this year. You love seeing stories like that, and you can't express enough to the guy who never gets recognition that we appreciate what he's done for this team so much. Yeah, you know, that position got a lot of uh, media attention and coverage over the last couple of years with Patrick Kime and just how lovable and, and outgoing that Pat always has been and now working in ministry. It's just the kind of thing, kind of place that Pat belongs. And uh, Cole is a lot quieter of a guy and is, you know, I get the feeling that he's just there to put his head down, get to work and do his job. And again, these, these scout players and the, the walk-ons, what they do and what they provide the, the starters and the players to see, is just, you know, it's immeasurable. You cannot do what Auburn has been able to do over the last couple of years without guys like Cole Blattstock. Let's move on to the second one. And honestly, the one that's going to be the most difficult for me to see leave 
That's Agent Zero, as I call him. <laughs> Horace Spencer. Uh, Horace Spencer, I, I think, has one of the more interesting journeys. Uh, came in very highly touted. We also saw him struggle at times to, to find himself. Um, he, he's one of those guys that's, if he was a little bit more filled out, you could see him being just one of those Zion Williamson types, but he just, he never filled out. But I, I almost didn't, now that I've seen the whole body of his work, I never wanted him to be more than what he was. And I think that's the beauty of it is when you can find someone that figures out their role in a program and on a team and seizes it and not just takes ownership of it, but just runs with it and does the best possible job. That is what, in my mind, Horace Spencer signifies to me personally, and I hope to many of you out there. Horace, I'm going to miss your baby hooks. I love that shot. I know people hate it, <laughs> but I love every time I see him go in the middle of the lane and just throw that arm over his head and, and, and swish it in. It just is the bet. The baby hook is the bread and butter for me if I was a little bit taller, which I'm not. I will miss Horace Spencer so much, Clint, and you're going to have to help me get over it the next season or so. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to miss him too. And, and Horace just, I think, I think I saw it on Twitter and I forget who tweeted it really embodies the emotion and tenacity of the Bruce Pearl era and the transition to this era. And, you know, I don't, I think all of these guys have only played under Bruce here at Auburn. And I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, but Auburn came in as a, you know, the, the last coaching staff left a couple of bad sores in Auburn in many, many different regions. And Horace, just the way that he always fought for the ball, fought for his team, was able to just go out and give it a hundred percent game in and game out, regardless if he was playing his best game or not is is really what this is about. And, you know, we, we said the last couple of years that these seniors have been laying the foundation. I think, I think Horace Spencer finally did a little bit more than just lay a foundation. Well, I'd say he in some ways was the foundation to some degree because foundations, sometimes you never see them, but they're the reason that other parts of it are as big and bright and beautiful as it is. And I'm not trying to get all philosophical here, but I'm just, I'm trying to express what this guy means to me. And I, and I try to not toss this phraseology around a lot, but I think honestly, if I, I'm really kind of taking a step back here and, and really asking myself this question, I think he is my favorite all time basketball player for Auburn. And I know that's, you've got the, you know, the persons, you've got Charles Barkley, you've got KT Harrell, you've got Chris Porter, Kyle Davis. I, I can keep going, but Horace Spencer to me embodies what I envision an Auburn basketball player should be. Someone who seizes the role and makes it their own and doesn't look back and embodies the Auburn spirit. So I'm going to stop gushing about Horace. We've got two others to get to. And we've, already, we've already taken too long. But let's go to the next guy, Malik Dunbar. I think he's got a similar story who has fought for the starting role, has lost it, has earned it back. And another high-energy guy that I think has – shifted especially this season the tide oh i hate using that word we'll say shifted the uh momentum for auburn in a <laughs> different way because of what he brings to a starting lineup and his tenacity his energy his size his, his fearlessness in some degrees sometimes a little too much fearlessness <laughs> but i love watching malik dunbar play basketball because you never know when he's gonna light you up yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, it, it really does suck when you only get a couple of years with these guys. And, 
and even fewer when they transfer in like Malik did. But, you know, Malik came in and embraced Auburn and Auburn embraced him. And, you know, the guy has one of the best smiles you'll ever see in, in Auburn history. And that definitely rivals that of Cam Newton. Um, I know some people will probably come after me saying that one, <laughs> but you know, he's, he's always smiling. I don't think I've ever seen Malik not smiling. Um, he's having fun on the court and you know, that's, that's really what it's all about. It's still a game. It's your livelihood at times, but it's still a game. Um, man, he's just been so much fun to watch and, and it's just, you never know what he's going to bring. Like you said, and, um, He's just high flying, high energy, and and ready to ready to knock some butt out. So I, I would try to say this when describing <laughs> these first three. I'd say to some degree, Cole Blackstock stock is the the soul of the Auburn game because of that workman mentality, just putting your nose down and not getting a lot of credit or recognition for it, but doing the best you can. Horse is the heart behind it. Malik is the energy, and where does that leave Bryce Brown? I think it's it's understatement here to say that he has been the face of this program for quite some time whether you talk about Daniel Purifoy coming in with how highly regarded he was Austin Wiley coming in Jared Harper the way he came onto the scene Bryce Brown has been the constant on this program for the last four seasons and his shooting prowess and the ability to score the ability to take the game into his hands um, it's it's been a while since you and I can actually sit back and say that when we lose this player, Auburn's offense has to find a way to adapt and evolve because without him, they are a completely different team. And I would argue since we lost KT Harrell is probably the closest we've had since then. And this is what Bryce Brown has been an impact on this team. I would agree to that. And, you know, I think I, I say it a lot that if Auburn could have played with a certain group of players, then the program would be differently. And I feel like Auburn was always one year off from, you know, you had Tay Waller, Kenny Gabriel, um, Chris Denson, and KT Harrell. And those those group of guys, they all seem to, to miss each other by a year or so. Um, but I think what Bryce has been able to do is just escalate beyond those guys. Those guys were able to put in great performances at least one year, maybe two. But Bryce has been just an offensive power his entire four years here. He had that June, the sophomore slump where he was really struggling beyond the arc, but his play, his basketball IQ, and his, especially his defense have gotten so much better over the years. And to the point that I, I know after today's game that uh, Bruce was – hoping that coaches would vote for Chumo Kiki on the all-defensive team. I, I think you also have to think of Bryce on at least the second all-defensive team. He has played so well this season. And, I mean, he's he's already rewritten the record books and, and broken three-point records in Auburn's uh, program history. And, you know, nobody's ever going to be able to forget watching the performances that Bryce put up in Auburn Arena. And we're going to have to find a way to replace it at some point. I don't know how we're going to do it, but Bruce Pearl, his coaching staff, and his his players have found a way to adapt each and every season to get better in some areas. Maybe they, you know, there were some disappointing moments in this regular season, but the way they're playing now, um, they've always found a way to adapt 
survive and move on and take care of unfinished business. So to this senior class, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I, it's it's a senior class that I think we will always remember. We talk about those first ones as laying the foundation. Um, this one, to me, in some ways, is the first one of the complete new era. And I think it speaks a lot to Bryce Brown, Malik Dunbar, Horsensor, and even Cole Blackstock. The fact that we know your name just as well as we know these other ones speaks to how well and how loved he was on this team, even with these other three guys. So thank you guys. You will be missed, but I'm so thankful that we have a couple more games, hopefully many more games with these guys in the postseason. Let's start right here and talk about the SEC tournament. Now, we don't know our particular opponent yet. We do know, however, that we will be playing Thursday, March 14th, around 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Approximately depends. You know, these things always go later on, uh, depending on how the previous games go. We will be playing the winner of UGA versus Missouri. We've beaten Georgia twice. We've beaten Missouri once. The big question before we talk about who we play, who or who we think we're going to play, is this, Clint. Do you think the road woes that Auburn has had will translate over to the neutral side of Nashville? I, I think I think it does. Um, Auburn has really struggled in different arenas all year long, um, shooting percentages and scoring and, and even uh, points allowed. I think there's like a 10-point difference from home to road games. And I I just don't see Auburn being able to play like they do at home. You know, it's it's Bridgestone Arena. It's a hockey arena. So it's, it's a little bit bigger than Auburn Arena. It's a lot bigger than Auburn Arena. But it's still kind of humble in its sizing, and it's still very basketball-oriented. I think beyond Bridgestone, when you, we get into a couple of more, uh, some bigger places for the NCAA tournament, I think that it'll show up a good bit more. But yes, I, I, I do think that Auburn will struggle shooting, and, and those kind of woes will continue in Nashville. Well, if you are anticipating those, then you got to wonder how will that play out with who we have to face going forward. And just to kind of look ahead here, we're going to talk about in a second, Auburn's got, I think, one of the more favorable paths they've had in quite some time in the SEC tournament, but we have to talk about the first game here. UGA or Missouri? Two questions for you, Clint. Who do you want to see, and who do you think we'll see for our first game in the SEC tournament? Well, give me Missouri. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to beat any team three times in a season, and we saw that two years ago, the last time the tournament was in Nashville, where Auburn beat Missouri twice during the regular season and fell to the Tigers on a final second, I think it was overtime shot at the buzzer in the first round in Nashville. And, you know, I, I could see that going this way if Auburn had to face Georgia again. It took, you know, a, a late Chumo Kiki buzzer beater to beat the shot clock shot to win that game um i just don't see I, I don't like having to face a team three times so that's who you want but who do you think we'll see you know what i think we're gonna see missouri yeah. I, I really do right and I, I i would tend to agree with you there there's just something about georgia that they just find a way to always be a thorn in our side so i could see them wanting well, that there's third something matchup. about 
there's something about this Georgia team that doesn't make me think that. That that thinks that they're going to be just a big disappointment once again. Well, I'll tell you what, they were a big disappointment for us today when they couldn't get the win over South Carolina to give us the four seed. But I digress. Um, that would have been nice. That would have been Georgia. Been You're nice. still the cesspool of the South. <laughs> you always will be. Um, I tend to agree with you there. I would rather see Missouri from that aspect of it, though I would love to beat Georgia three times in a season, but that's hard to do. So I would prefer to see Missouri. And I do lean towards seeing the Tigers for our first round game. And I think that bodes well for Auburn, because if you look at our path for the rest of the game, let's just let's play for devil's advocate. We see Missouri and let's assume that Auburn is able to beat them again. That would set up an Auburn versus South Carolina matchup, the team that we were fighting for the four spot for the the other double bye in this tournament. So they're the lowest ranked of the top four in a South Carolina team that's very beatable. Now it's still a Frank Martin coach team. And as we've already talked about, Frank Martin finds a way to to beat Bruce Pearl a lot, and we don't know why. So even with that fact, you look at South Carolina, if we're able to beat them, you set up a game with the number one overall seed LSU, but to me, it doesn't feel like an overall number one an over, number one overall team because we think of Tennessee and Kentucky, and they're going to be taking each other out on the other side of this tournament, thankfully. So, before we even talk about championship game, what do you think about Auburn's road to the championship game? What I just laid out. I, I do think that this is the best draw in the. The bracket. Of course, it would have been nice to have that four seed and have the double bye, but there's also that bonus of playing an extra game and hopefully getting some better sight lines and able to um, kind of knock out those road woes in this stadium. But that, I, I think that that's kind of a minimal bonus. But, you know, with Georgia, Missouri, and South Carolina, and then on the other side, Arkansas, Florida, and LSU, I think that's a much easier route than Vandy, A&M, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Tennessee. I think even if this goes chalk minus Auburn, you've got the one-seed LSU, five-seed Auburn, two Kentucky, and three Tennessee. And I, I, I do think that Kentucky's the best team in the league right now and that they'll definitely be playing on championship Sunday. Um, but I think that Auburn's got a Auburn matches up really well with LSU. We saw that in Baton Rouge. Auburn should have come away with that win, if not for some poor stretches of basketball. But I think Auburn has a really good opportunity to beat just about every team on this list right now. So, by the way, you just broke that down. You are feeling at least somewhat confident to see Auburn in the championship game versus a Kentucky. Is that what I'm hearing here? No, not entirely. Okay. Um, I think, I think no doubt Auburn wins Thursday. I think Auburn does win Friday. I I think Auburn plays to Saturday. If they play to Sunday, I'll be impressed. And I think it would be Auburn's playing their basketball, their best basketball right now. That there's no doubt of that. Oh, and absolutely. I, and I think that that's what you want to have. You know, we've talked about the people's frustration during the season. You know, why is this, you know, happening to us? You, you, you saw kind of the, not to get on a soapbox here, but the whole football mentality of woe is us coming back in. And we kept saying, folks, it's going to get better. Bruce was preaching it. We haven't played our best basketball yet. And you, you're seeing that 
knock on wood, I'm knocking on as much wood on this desk as I can. They haven't lost yet in March. And how cool would it be to at least run that through to the championship game of the uh, SEC and potentially get one more crack at a very talented and very um, overbearing uh, Kentucky team. You know, they didn't look that good to start the season, but boy, do they look good now. So I, I tend to think that Kentucky will be the champions of this tournament. Yeah, I, I do too. And, you know, part of me has this wish that, you know, and I hope I'm wrong if it turns out the other way, but that Auburn plays into Saturday and then just that's it. You know, Auburn doesn't have to worry about Sunday. And that gives you an extra day to just rest up for the tournament, the bigger tournament, the more important tournament. It's <laughs> like I would trade an extra day or two in the bid dance for Nashville. So let me ask you this to close out our SEC tournament discussion here. We've already talked about you. You feel confident about the Auburn, whoever we play first, uh, second round game, Auburn versus South Carolina. You feel fairly confident about that. I need you to pick. Does Auburn beat LSU? I tend to agree with you. I think it's possible and we will both be highly surprised and ecstatic if that happens. But I do think Auburn can make it three games into the tournament, and I think that's a pretty solid run right there, setting them up for a better success with some rest, not having to play Sunday and get beat up again by a Kentucky team. <laughs> so. Well, and, and I think if Auburn is still staring at a seven seed right now, maybe Auburn's played into a six seed the way they ended the season. Um, I think there's a possibility that if Auburn goes two and one, that they might get a fifth seed. Um, I think it's highly possible. And who knows, even a fourth seed if they play into Sunday. That's just purely speculation about my point, but I think that Auburn did a lot to secure a good seed uh, with the Tennessee win. I think that definitely lots Auburn in as a top seven seed. And, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe Auburn plays really well and earns a top five, top four seed, and that'll go a long ways to good seeding. And we saw what bad seeding does last year. Oh, let's not even talk about last year. That Bring Auburn to me and Jacksonville, please. I know that's what you want. That You weren't going to say it, I thought, but <laughs> you, know, I, you and I both want that because I'm coming to crash on your couch and we're going to those, those first-round games. You mean – Air mattress. <laughs> I don't care as long as I've got somewhere to put down my head so I can go to my first ever March Madness game. That's all I'm asking. Anyway, so we'll find out who we play um, after that game against Georgia and Missouri takes place, and we'll see how Auburn's road through the SEC tournament takes us. And we'll be back again uh, to discuss all of this in the NCAA tournament after all this takes place because it's just going to be too much to do episodes back-to-back-to-back-to-back throughout those games, especially if Auburn runs all the way to Sunday. couple of notes here. We didn't mention it and talk about it much, but Daniel Purifoy did announce that he is coming back next season. I don't think that shocked anybody, but just so you know, expect him back next season. I do also want to tease the listeners just a little bit. As you know, we do a March Madness Challenge Every single year, and for some reason every single year, either Clint's significant other or my significant other wins it. I don't know how that is. That's besides the point. To and you're it, at the bottom. Yes. To tease it, we have a lot different of a prize or prizes, should I say. Now, I will announce those with our 
NCAA tournament preview show what those are. So just if you're interested in that, be looking out for those um, instructions on how to sign up and get involved this year because, trust me, you want to be. So I hope that was enough tease for you and everybody else out there. Clint, before we get out of here, let's give our contact information. You can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24, and you can check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database, at auburnuniforms.com. Again, thank you, Cole. Thank you, Malik. Thank you, Horace, Agent Zero, and thank you, Bryce Brown. We will miss you guys, and we love you guys. War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?